the mission that feeling is outrageous eight onions <laughs> i'm like <laughs> guacamole with onions her hit song Hello, hello. This hello. is legendary, the Mother's Day episode, and naturally we started it off with a belch. <laughs> Ew! Please stop doing that. It's Sorry. disgusting. Yeah, I know. Although it is a natural thing, so like everyone does it. Yeah, but it smells of sour cream and onions. Oh, I'm sorry. They can't smell it, also. Yeah, good. but I can, cause you're right here in my face. Who cares? <laughs> so, it is Mother's Day right now. Mm-hmm. We are recording on Sunday. Yeah, and. You can tell that we're not mothers because we royally fucked this up the first time we tried to do it. I kid you not, we recorded a 55-minute episode only to find out that uh, I did something weird with the recording and it was like completely full of crackles and pops and all kinds of weird sounds. I was about to say all kinds of weird sound noises. (laughs) (laughs) You can see we're totally up for this. So we are now doing the entire thing again, this time better. Hopefully. Yeah, unless I fuck something up again. again. The good thing with my Oh, thing... I forgot this was the mother's episode. I wasn't supposed to curse. Damn it. Oh, why don't all the mothers should presumably be overage? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know. Something they're going to listen to with, it, with their kids, you right? You'll be surprised. I mean, the box of oddities is rated explicit, and people listen with their small children. Well, that's their choice. People listen, kids listen to my favorite murder. I was oh, like, no. um, <laughs> we listen to dead bodies. We listen to dead bodies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so apart from that little fiasco, mm-hmm. things have been going pretty okay. So we um, figured out that the episode was crap and that we had to delete the whole thing. And then we made guacamole. Yeah. Hence the burping. Yep. Sorry. Onions. And then we came back here. We ate it with nacho chips. And we watched an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine until we were emotionally ready to give off our best. <laughs> like we do each and every, every episode. episode. You know, we are always we are here. welcome. 110%. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm 109, but I'm still 100. Sometimes I'm at negative 112%. Yeah. But the point is, we're there in some way, in some percentage. It might be an imaginary number. But it's there. Sorry, this episode is so chaotic already. Yeah, heavy editing is needed. So what we're trying to say is happy Mother's Day to everybody who has either born a child out of their vaginas, Mm -hmm. adopted a child, or has in some other way attempted in this world to raise a tiny baby to the fruition of adulthood. We salute you, we admire you, and most importantly... We respect you for allowing us to live on your couch at any given moment of our lives, because I'm probably going to be there until I'm about 50. I mean, at least you're, you'll be living on your bed, though, not a couch. A whole bed? A my whole mom bed. is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she even kept my room for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> That's the thing about Indian moms. Can we just talk a little bit about Indian moms, uh, though? Indian moms. They're, They're all... either the best of things or the worst of things. I mean, it's a bit of both. I just think they will never stop seeing you as a five-year-old which you know has its positives in the sense that you know they're there making your samosas making your Mm. your budgets your jalebis checking on whether you've eaten yeah but then of course on the negatives it's like can i 
have my individuality. <laughs> and yes, I did brush my teeth. I'm 42 years old. <laughs> okay. So, listen up. Oh, I was going to say bitches. <laughs> this is the Mother's Day special. Listen up, mother bitches. No, no. <laughs> we love you. Okay. Today we're going to talk about this mother, Demeter. Yes. And I'm going to be very free with this myth. There's a a basis, a basic outline of the myth, but I'm just going to do my own thing. Are you okay with that? Uh, you know, I have always appreciated your gift for storytelling. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I think you have a, a natural flair. You think so? Yeah. Also, Demeter, you can't go wrong, you know. Nice to demeet ya, wouldn't want to debee ya. <laughs> Sorry. Pun number one. <laughs> Cool, 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 cool. There was such an expression of disgust <laughs> on your face. It's just... So, here's how it goes. <laughs> so, Demeter's whole thing is that she's uh, the goddess of the harvest, agriculture, fertility, if you know what I'm saying. The woo-woo. No, of the earth. Oh. Disgust. Sorry. <laughs> well, plants get it on as well. Ew! They're like that. They don't... <gasps> Vines. Stamens. Okay. So... She also presided over sacred law, and she seems to have existed before Zeus and many of the other male gods. Some um, archaeological evidence points towards her worship prior to other gods. I suppose because the most important thing in people's lives is a food source, I guess. Yeah, I mean, if you think about the way humanity has (laughs) evolved and progressed, you know, agriculture is one of the very first major developments. So I suppose the the gods were developed at the same time. Yeah, that does make sense. And then there came serious like laws and stuff, and that's where Zeus comes in, bringing stability, etc. So yeah, so she's the second oldest um, daughter of Cronus and Rhea. I'm not going to go into the kind of myth, it's just twice for now that there were two other gods. She's a sister to Zeus, Hades, Poseidon, Hera, and Hestia. So now, we know that Zeus married his sister Hera, right? Right. Because the gene pool was as tiny as he's tiny. <laughs> I mean, he's a lightning bolt. <laughs> But what may be less known is that Zeus also tried to do the funky funky with the meter. I'm sorry, one sister wasn't good enough for him. He had to like complete the entire sister set. Well, look, plants like to branch out. <laughs> branch out. <laughs> That's another pun for pun bingo. Ding ding. Mothers, this is a drinking game. Break out your rosé and drink every time we make a pun. Right, so Zeus can, uh, I wanted to get funky on with his sister Demeter. Because why not? Look, she's I, there, she's got legs, Zeus wants it. I can think of a lot of reasons why not. <laughs> just a PSA, kids. Incest is bad. Yeah, no, these are gods. They're not real. It's just, that's how they were old, you know? Also the ancient reference. But anyway. So, one day, Zeus decided, Today is the day I boinked my sister. And set off to go find Demeter. Demeter was strolling around the field, stuffing the flowers, checking the grain, making sure that, you know, things are plowed properly. Inspiring Neil Young records. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or maybe she was making her own record. Maybe she was making Neil Young. <laughs> Is he a grain baby? That's why his songs are so corny. <laughs> like your jokes. Okay. Ding, ding. Take a drink. <laughs> so, she suddenly realized Zeus was eyeing her from across the field. To me, his thoughts probably went something like this. Flower green and grow. Let your magic shine. Let the... Oh, fuck. Is that my douchebag bro? What is he doing here so early in the morning? You know the real problem with meeting uh, your crazy brother in a cornfield? Mm. You just know they're stalkers. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually funny. Ding, ding. (laughs) Drink again. Oh, God. (laughs) 
See, my plan is by the time we get to my story, mm -hmm. everyone listening to this will be so drunk that they'll <laughs> find anything I say automatically hilarious. <laughs> It's a good plan. You are naturally hilarious. Oh, wow, thank you. <laughs> so, what does Demir do? She runs the fuck away because this is this, right? He will literally. He probably just have sex. He probably just have sex with the plant, thinking it's a mutant. He's that kind of guy. Zeus doesn't understand what consent is, of course, and runs after. Manages to gain on her, and Demeter, trying to make a last-minute escape, transforms into a snake and slithers into a hole in the ground, hoping that Zeus has lost sight of her. Of course, he did not, and transforming into a snake himself, went into the hole with her. Then you know what's going to happen here, right? Ugh. He takes her by force. Yeah, oh, yes, yes. That's horrible. That's a good way of saying it. But yes, he does. So, It's so awful on so many levels. The thing is that, what's so sad is that it was such a normal thing. Like, this, a grape happens in almost every myth that has to do with a woman and a man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was Especially Zeus, obviously. 110% objectification of women. Mm. There's literally either, no other purpose for them. It was either forced or it was, like, by a deceit. So, like, the gods are dressed up or what would transform into the husband. Right. Or something like that, which is still right, technically. Um, I just wanted to ask, out of interest, this is a little bit off mm. the topic. Sorry for interrupting you, no, sorry. No, no. But what laws did the ancient Greeks have, if any, against rape and incest and things like that? Uh, so incest is actually, for the Greeks, very, very... Like, that was a no-go zone. You do not do that. Like, you, you, the, the, so the man would um, be sentenced to death. Mm -hmm. The girl would go free. Okay. So that's regardless of who started the whole thing. So like if it was the girl who started it, it doesn't matter. The guy yeah. gets the gets the blame. Um, when it comes to rape, so if a man raped another man's wife, then he would be charged with rape, and he would either be sentenced to death or something else, maybe mm -hmm. slavery, or like um, a daughter of someone important enough. Okay. The thing is that because of the class system. The middle class and the upper class would be able to go to law about that. The lower class would not be able to do anything. Oh, I see. Okay, so <laughs> it was a extremely skewed uh, legal system based yeah. on your on your class. Yeah, and obviously, um, like sex workers at that time didn't have any rights. Yeah, slaves no, lower class no. So that's interesting. I wonder why they would create a mythology that does not espouse their own values. You know, I don't know, actually. That's actually a good point. Because, yeah, as you say, there's incest. But it was very, very strongly condemned. Yeah, because you think that you'd want to create a god that is not just in your image, but superior to you. Yeah, well, it's not like the the gods in modern religions. Like, they were, they very, they very much saw the gods as something to be feared. And the only reason that they worshipped them was so that the gods could either do something for them or to basically avoid punishment. Mm. So it wasn't like they loved the gods. Right. Not the same kind of devotion. Um, so I, and, and they, they imbued their gods with, with the stories of jealousy, of revenge, of, of spite, things like this that they considered terrible. And I don't know whether it's not so much to reflect society, but to, I don't know, maybe it's more of a, a tale of warning. Well, like something like something that the gods do to mortals in certain stories and someone is punished like it's right. a warning to yourself i mean i know that zeus doesn't get punished really the gods don't usually get punished but i don't know that's the only way i can think of some sort of story behind it well anyway sorry that was that was a little detour <laughs> into ancient greek culture you could say we, we go around in crop circles ding ding <laughs> uh, okay so where were we uh, oh yes so zeus caught in the hole From that, Persephone was born, and Demeter was 
instantly extremely devoted to her daughter. Like, you don't see this kind of devotion between a goddess and their child, other than Demeter and Persephone. So, Demeter didn't have a lot of demigod children, though, right? Demeter doesn't have any demigod children. Oh, right, sorry. I mean, not demigod. I mean, she didn't have a lot of children. No, so, um, in some stories, Persephone was her very first child. Then, either from the same act of rape, she has a son. Persephone has a twin brother. Mm-hmm. And then, in another story, Poseidon rapes Demeter as horses. Oh, right, and they have the, and they have, the horse god Arian. Yeah, Arian, so that's another son. And then she's apparently supposed to have a son. Oh, yeah. She does have one demigod son by a farmer who she actually falls quite in love with, but then he's killed by Zeus. Zeus gets jealous and he kills him with a lightning bolt. So there is that one demigod son. Otherwise, other than that, she has no other children. So I think you can understand that, you know, where everybody else had sort of prolific amounts of children, Demeter clearly maybe either didn't care too much about having kids or really valued her kids so much that she actually had few of them. I think it's that she really valued them, not just because they're her children, um, but because she's a very prominent goddess of, of fertility and she's connected very strongly with the cycle of life and death. Right. So for her to bring life, I think, is very important to her. Mm. Well, but, um, did you hear that? That was my stomach. <laughs> but Persephone in particular is, was very important. I mean, um, you'll see later she becomes almost like the same person and they're worshipped together. So I, I don't really know why Persephone in particular, but it's amazing how devoted she is. I think maybe because, as I said, now they're very, very close to each other. So Persephone, goddess of springtime and flowers, Demeter, goddess of agriculture and fertility. So they play off each other very well. And, and, and they spend so much time together. Uh, so... Persephone was so uh, closely associated with her mother that the Greeks began calling them the two Demeters or the two goddesses. In art, actually, they would often be depicted as one, well, essentially one woman, but it would be called like Demeter and Persephone. The two oh, I see. Okay. So it'd be like them both of their spirits imbued um, in one person. That's kind of sweet. I like that. It is. It's a bit odd considering that they are essentially two separate goddesses. But I think at some point, either earlier or later than this myth we're talking about now, like people would confuse them for the same person. There wasn't two separate people. But anyway. Um, yeah, so Persephone was always a very young girl when she was innocent, associated with innocence. And this obviously led her into some trouble with Hades, the god of the underworld, Zeus's brother. Hades is the oldest son and Demeter's brother, so this is technically her uncle. Mm-hmm. And at some point, Hades fell in love with Persephone, which I'm not entirely sure how or where that happened, but I imagine it happened during one of those awkward family dinners. Hades probably asked her to pass the butter. Persephone flipped her hair out of the way to get it, unknowingly hitting Hades in the face with her hair and blinding him with love and dandruff. <laughs> uh, or maybe love and pollen. Or you think she gets pollen instead of dandruff? Yeah, I mean, goddess can't get dandruff. If, at most, she'd get pollen in her True, hair. true. Or maybe it's just like, he, she hits her face, his face and then just flowers erupt. <laughs> he's like, I'm at you. I love. I'm so allergic, but I love you. <laughs> I love the smell of daffodils. You're allergic. Shut up. <laughs> this is love. Um. So Hades falls in love and decides that he has to marry her, but he doesn't really know how to do the whole seducing thing. Never having had a girlfriend or a lover or anything. Really. Also, being an ugly ass god of death. I mean, nobody really ever said he was ugly, eh? Right. Sorry. Yeah, he could have been very handsome, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he's very pale, and he hangs out with dead bodies, so maybe he didn't smell that good. Uh, yeah, but, you know, most girls go for guys who are the color of sour milk and smell slightly of carcass. There's nothing quite that, like, hits you than that rotting flesh smell. 
So sexy. <laughs> I might just throw up my guacamole. <laughs> um, so he goes to ask Zeus, who, as we know, is very good with the ladies. And he's like, well, well, you know, I'm in love with Persephone, your daughter, my niece, nothing weird about that. No, no. How do I go about doing this? And he doesn't want to just shebang like Zeus does. He yeah, wants, he to, wants marry to marry this her. girl. Yeah. I'm gonna marry this girl. Hmm? So at least you could say he has honorable intentions. Sure, sure, sure. The method is, is the problem. Right. Yeah. So Zeus is like, easy, this works for me every time. Why am I doing the Donald Trump voice? <laughs> the ladies love it. And you're famous. Okay. You know, I don't, I don't love anyone. You look at Persephone. She's beautiful. If I, if she wasn't my daughter, I'd date her. Oh no! <laughs> Persephone, ten out of ten. Ten. She's a ten. Yeah. So he's like, just do what I do. Either turn into a goose, a duck, a fox, or some other being, and do it, or grab her. Chakra in the underworld and do it. So, you know, either way, just do it. Either way, he's like, What do you mean, seduce her? That would mean obtaining her consent. Yeah. What an outlandish notion. No, no, he doesn't know what that word means. <laughs> so he's like, Cool, 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 cool. Sounds good. That doesn't seem hard at all. He's sweating profusely. So he goes in, he waits until Demeter has Vamush to go do green stuff, and he sees Persephone now alone with her friends. Now, you think a girl surrounded by a bunch of friends is safe, right? Wrong. <laughs> yeah. These girls are dumb. Oh, why? Because, I mean, look, Persephone, innocent child, she's all like, ooh, flowers, because she's the freaking flower goddess. Okay. So she starts to wander off. You're telling me a whole bunch of friends don't notice this? Yeah, those are bad friends. Bad friends. Good I mean, friends travel at least in pairs, but usually in about a gaggle. Right? It's not like, maybe it's because she didn't announce it. Like, you know, oh, guys, can you go out to the bathroom or go squat near a flower or whatever? Not that I think she pees on the flower, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Anyway, she so. pees nectar. <laughs> Gross. And this has gotten weird. Oh god, definitely not watch this. I mean, listen to this with kids. <laughs> um, yeah. So she runs off, and Hades is like, "Okay, now's my time." So he goes in with his huge chariot, and that's drawn by four black horses, which you think would be noticeable, but anyway, grabs her, chucks in the chariot, opens up a rift, and they plunge into the underworld, which I think is actually pretty fancy. Well, at least he brought out the welcome wagon. Yeah, I mean, he could have just grabbed her and chucked him, o- chucked her over his shoulder. It's still kind of inexcusable, though. I mean, yeah, yeah, true, true. Um, so Demeter returns to find Persephone's friends being useless and her daughter nowhere to be seen. Falling into despair, she plants herself <laughs> in front of Zeus. <laughs> ding, ding. <laughs> and wants to know what the fucking fuck happened to her precious baby. Zeus at this time was too absorbed, probably looking at photos of, I don't know, Kim Kardashian. And he vaguely waves his hand, muttering something about, oh, the muffins, they're in their oven, go get them if you want. Demeter storms out in a rage, and honestly, this is how the scene is in my head. She wanders around and she sees Hermes and Akate sipping on pina coladas. Catching up on the old gas, if you know what I'm saying. Okay. And she's like, down those pina coladas at once and tell me where my daughter is. Yeah, this is not the season for pineapples. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And she's like, if anyone's going to be eating pineapples, it's me. <laughs> so she slaps it out of their hands. Okay. And then Hermes is like, whoa, girl. What's going on? Why are you so aggro? Mm-hmm. No, you need to cool down. You look even going great. To me, it's like, well, where is Persephone? Hermes is like, you know, I can't tell you that. I am very loyal to my father, Zeus, king of the gods. I certainly cannot tell you that she's been taken by Hades into the underworld. And I cannot tell you that he wishes to marry her. Okay. And Hecate's like, and I can't lead you down into the underworld. Actually, Hecate's like, I can lead you down to the underworld because she gives zero shits what Zeus thinks. That's true. Because it's Hecate. You know, God is a magic. You know, we all 
मैसेज है आका चाहे वेल दैट्स बिकॉज शी विल मेक यू डिसअपियर नो नो दैट वाज अ यूफेमिज्म शी विल किल यू ओह 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 एनीवे सो दे अह हकाटी टेक्स डिमीटर डाउन टू द अंडरवर्ल्ड एंड दे फाइंड परसेफनी Persephone is overjoyed to see her mother. Of course, they embrace, and she's like, you know, can I go now? I miss you. I miss the flowers. And she's a baby, right? Um, but then Hermes just pops up with a clipboard and a checklist, and is like, okay, let's just go through this. Are you good to travel? Any sharp explosive objects in your bag or dress? Did you pack your bag and dress yourself? Any fragile or valuable items? Did you eat anything? And Persephone just pauses at the last question and quickly spits out the pup. Oh, damn it! She's like, no, <laughs> me eat. I don't eat. Look at this body. <laughs> Come on, you have to maintain yourself. You're like uh, Hermes. My body is a temple, right? And I would in no way eat any kind of delicious fruity goodness no. that could be growing in this. Oh, yeah. Nothing. I did yeah, eat. No. I yep. Ate a pomegranate. Persephone is just like, <laughs> I live on joy and flowers and fresh air. And then Hermes is like, Well, why are all your lips so red? And what's that juice on the side of your mouth? And she's like, That's the blood of innocence. Oh, Persephone's <laughs> <laughs> grown up. <laughs> and he's like, I'm sorry, baby girl. Like, I really love you. You've always been like a baby sister to me, but you got to stay here now. Because you eat the food of the dead, you are one of them. Yeah. So, uh, like we were saying before, Coco from <laughs> Disney's Coco. Yeah, exactly. That kind of thing. You yeah. Know, you don't leave, you die. <laughs> <laughs> so the maid leaves without uh, this underworld without her daughter. Now this causes her to fall into deep depression. She completely neglects her duties. She allows fields to dry up, food to rot. Um, there's actually another tale. If you want to hear that? Where she she actually wanders around the world, completely upset and not knowing what to do for months and months. Um, and she comes across this family, this royal family, and they take her in. She becomes a nanny to their child because they realize. Oh, how, I know this one. Like, and then she really likes the child, mm. and she tries to turn him into a god by toasting yeah. him slightly. <laughs> Her god making oven. Exactly, they realize like how 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 happy she is to be with the child because I mean she misses her own her own baby. Yeah, and so she wants to repay them back by making the kid a model because that's obviously the best thing a god can do for somebody. Now this isn't this isn't um, common at all. Gods don't go around making humans mortal. Right. So she really really wanted to do something nice or what she considered nice, but that involved as you say searing the child on each side five minutes in the in the fireplace. And the mother walks in and she's like, "What the hell are you doing?" Because she yeah. doesn't realize this is a goddess. Or yeah, right. Around. She just sees this old woman chucking her baby into exactly. a fire. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, which is I changeling mean, style. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, wouldn't you freak out? Uh, yeah. So she grabs baby and it's like very angry. Then Demeter transforms back into the, her goddess form, and she's like, "What have you done? I was gonna make this boy a immortal, and he's gonna be famous. Blah blah blah. Now you must erect a temple and dedicate yourself to me." Okay. Which I thought was a little severe. Considering what it looked like, what? but you know, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> she is a goddess after all. But yeah, that's actually one of the side stories. Um, but yeah, so eventually, because she's neglected her duties, the humans aren't able to. I mean, they're barely able to be themselves. They can't afford to sacrifice meat or any kind of vegetables or food to the gods, because obviously, if the crops aren't doing well. The cows are dying. Everything's right. dying. Like you can't live without uh, without Demeter, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. So um, this eventually gets Zeus's attention, and he summons Demeter, Hades, and Persephone to Olympus, where they finally come to an arrangement where Persephone will spend two thirds of the year with her mother and one third with Hades, which appeases Demeter, and the crops and seasons go back to normal. Now, because Demeter, I mean, because Persephone is going back to the underworld for one third, the new season is created, which is winter. Okay. So for that period, she's queen of the underworld, which is very different to how she is. So, when she's just to clarify, 
autumn or fall, depending on which part of the world you live in, is Demeter getting sad in anticipation of the second living? <laughs> Actually, yes. Oh. That is exactly how they do it. So, like, she's super happy during summer. And then as winter approaches, she gets sadder and sadder. And also Persephone herself starts becoming colder in preparation for the oh, underworld. Oh, I see. It's like a bit like how, it's a bit kind of like we're controlled by Persephone's moods in a way. Mm-hmm. So when she's above ground, Persephone's very, um, very childish and happy and bright. And that's reflected in the seasons. And when she goes under, underground into the underworld, she becomes the queen of the dead. Oh, like she becomes a lot stiffer, colder. She, uh, she herself actually deals out a lot of punishments. She doesn't consult Hades about it. Oh, interesting. She takes over. She's like public queen, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, what's this being? I can't remember the exact people. There's quite a few people that she says, no, no, you can do this or you get this punishment. Did, didn't she, I might be wrong, but didn't she come up with the punishment for Sisyphus? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. And Hades does, like, she has no problem with that, which I find very interesting. She does not consult with him if she thinks that this is proper. Or even if she thinks that someone should be let go, which has happened. Right. She doesn't. Didn't that happen with um, Orpheus and what's the. Um, you did you? You're a Digi, yeah. Yeah, there she, yeah, there she was so entranced by his playing. She was like, Hades, let, let him do this. Yeah. Yeah, so it's very interesting. It's quite an equal relationship going on there compared to, like, say, Hera and Zeus. Right. So, yeah, so it isn't perfect, but Demeter has her daughter back. And that is essentially the story. It's actually quite a nice one. Yeah, I mean, I think that ended a lot better than most Greek mythology stories. Usually they end with, and they all died. Yeah, either they all died or she was stuck in the underworld uh, forever. Miserable, wasting away. Or she became furious and murdered her own children. Medea. <laughs> now that is a... There's actually another story that I was wondering to, wanting to talk about, but... You didn't think it struck the proper tone. This Mother's Day, consider murdering your own children. Well, actually, it's, I think it would have been very cool. It just was a bit too short. But it, I mean, I think it would have resonated with people, because mm-hmm. what with the quarantine rules and everything... I imagine there's a lot of mothers considering murdering their own children. <laughs> well, this one in- involves the mother um, leading to her son's death by uh, burning him alive. Oh. Yeah, but that's only because he killed his uncles. But anyway, it's a nasty. Story. Yeah. Is this some kind of riff on Hamlet? <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah, Shakespeare was a Greek. He was very old. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you. That was um, a Thanks. unique retelling yeah. of that story. I, I mean, I obviously, well, not obviously, but I did know the story before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very famous. that is the first time I've heard it told in such an entertaining way. <laughs> I think it's my favorite Thanks. version. Thanks. Yeah, you know, I, I thought the um, insertion of pina coladas anachronistic, but, you know, still pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> Who's to say they didn't have pineapples? They're gods. I'm just like, I feel like Hermes and Akati would totally enjoy hanging out with each other, sipping some sort of drink. Yeah, I can see friends. Totally. Yeah. Okay, so for my Mother's Day special, I've chosen something a little bit different from my normal gig. You know, usually I tell straight up legends Mm -hmm. where it's pretty clear that that it's sort of like oral history or mythology or something like that. This is a little bit on the cusp of legend and history in the sense that it is actually part of history. It did happen. But at the time, it was kind of legendary. Oh, okay. So today I'm talking about a very peculiar kind of mother. I'm talking about Mary Toft, the woman who birthed 17 rabbits. <laughs> I'm sorry, you said 17 rabbits, and the first thing I thought was Roger Rabbit. Roger Rabbit? I was like, okay, I can see how that would work out. I mean, like, for some reason when I watched the movie, it was perfectly acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Rabbit sadly has the hips for them. I was thinking the same thing. Like, she, I can totally picture her putting out, like, 17 rabbits. 
Well, anyway. Anyway. Not that I picture that often. Anyway, let's continue. <laughs> let's clear it out. Thank you for completely creeping me out there. Sorry. Sorry. Mary Toft, maiden name Denya, was born in 1703 in Godalming, Surrey, mm-hmm. which is about 40 miles out from London. This was apparently not a very affluent part of the country at the time. It was quite rural. I think most of the um, economy was based on textiles, on uh, farming, things like that. Mm. Then 17 years later, she marries Joshua Toft, who was a year older than her and who worked in wool textiles. Mm. So clearly, you know, she married within her community. She didn't marry into any money. They were both dirt poor. Yeah. Mary herself was described at the time as illiterate, stocky, and sullen, which I have to say I'm very skeptical about because I feel like at this time the media was so chauvin well, not just the media, but society was so chauvinist that basically any woman who didn't fit this very narrow uh, mm. concept of beauty and feminine, uh, what feminine yeah, yeah, charm no, would be labeled as sullen. <laughs> yeah, and also, I mean... Especially, unfortunately, when it came to the poorer class, people were a lot more severe in terms of their looks and apparent intelligence and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. So Mary and Joshua had three human children together, named Mary, Anne, and James. Sorry, Mary, Anne, two people? No, Mary, Anne, and James. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then at the age of 26, things got weird. Mm -hmm. So the ordinary part is that Mary got pregnant for the fourth time. Unfortunately, because she was a peasant, she wasn't allowed to take any time off from work during her pregnancy and you know she it's not like she had a, a cushy desk job <laughs> she yeah. was working the fields yeah like really tough manual labor <laughs> really topped sorry really topped <laughs> okay. it's funny that both our stories involve harvesting oh yeah interesting coincidence happy agriculture day happy agricultural mother's day <laughs> <laughs> happy grain moms it's all about the seeds of our future. Yeah, fertility, you know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So Mary was required to continue working through her pregnancy, and she began to experience complications. Mm-hmm. And in August of that year, she miscarried. And they describe it as her just delivering pieces of flesh, which mm. sounds very <coughs> traumatic. And I mean, you know, miscarriage itself is traumatic, but. Mm-hmm. The manner of that particular miscarriage is also really, really rough. I mean, I gather it was pretty far along in her pregnancy also. Yeah. But that wasn't the weird part. Mm. The weird part was that a month later, on September 27th, Mary went into labor and delivered, according to the attending obstetrician John Howard, quote, three legs of a cat of a tabby color and one leg of a rabbit. The guts were as a cat's, and in them were three pieces of the backbone of an eel. An eel? Yeah. So, these three. animals were terrestrial, they were marine. <laughs> but why three pieces? Yeah, just like three, like, three could not, eel fillets. Could they not get four? Like, why stop there? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, completely bizarre. Obviously, both... Uh, Mary and uh, John Howard would have been completely bamboozled by this. Mm-hmm. And but, this all came out at once, sorry, so it's one time. Yeah, this was one delivery. Okay. The birth was also witnessed by Mary's mother-in-law, Anne Toft, who was acting as midwife at the time. Mary soon proceeded to give birth on another day to nine more rabbits, all dead and all juveniles. And all fully formed. Yeah, nine dead baby rabbits. Okay, lovely. Presumably completely dumbstruck by these events, 
Howard wrote to King George I's secretary about these uh, births, mm. and His Majesty sent two men to investigate. Nathaniel St. Andre, who was a Swiss surgeon and anatomist, and Samuel Molyneux, who was secretary to the Prince of Wales at the time. Mm -hmm. Andre actually published one of Howard's letters later on in like his own memoir type thing. So this is how the letter goes. It's, it's, <laughs> it's quite something, and I want you, it's written in 1700s English, so <laughs> it's, it's a little good. bit different. For one thing, rabbit is spelt with an E. Like rabbit? No, like R-A-B-B-E-T. Oh, rabbit. Rabbit. Oh, I like it. Okay, Several so, rabbits. So this is, the, <laughs> this is the letter. <laughs> Sir, since I wrote to you, I have taken or delivered the poor woman of three more rabbits, all three half-grown, one of them a dun rabbit. The last leaped 23 hours in the uterus before it died. As soon as the eleventh rabbit was taken away, up leaped the twelfth rabbit, which is now leaping. <laughs> I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> is leaping in the uterus? I mean, uh... How did it come out leaping? <laughs> I assume it is also leaping in utero. Also, how did they pull it out, like, first? Well, uh, no, he did not detail Did that. he use the ear? Sorry, okay. <laughs> if you have any curious person that is pleased to come post... I assume post-haste, mm -hmm. may see another leap in her uterus and shall take <laughs> it from her if he pleases. The uterus of the Yeah, <laughs> he's not clear whether they should take the uterus or the rabbit. Oh, no. Which will be a great satisfaction to the curious. If she had been with child, she has but ten days more to go, so I do not know how many rabbits may be behind. What does he mean by he's, she may have ten days yet to go? So I think that according to the original date of conception for this fourth pregnancy, she had 10 days left for the full term of nine months. Oh, so he's kind oh. of assuming that she is just intermittently birthing these rabbits as part of the original that pregnancy. that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, zero. But I mean, does anything about this make sense? No, no, true. The woman true. is popping out rabbits. Mm -hmm. um, where was I? Oh, yeah. So I do not know how many rabbits may be behind. I have brought the woman to Guildford for better convenience. I am, sir, your humble servant, John Howard. Now, at this point, Toft had already become famous in Godalming. So this is what I mean by she was a legend at her, you know, in her time. Right, right. Also, fun fact, every time a rabbit popped out of Mary Toft, <laughs> it was uh, pickled and put in a jar that uh, sat on a, on a dedicated shelf. I mean, belonging it's supposed to, John to preserve Howard. it, but I mean, that's disgusting. Yeah, I do have to say, it's... Did they also pickle, like, the, the, the cat guts? Unclear. Ugh. <laughs> By the time the king's men arrived, Toft had birthed her 15th rabbit, <laughs> and two more were delivered while Andre and Molyneux were in attendance. St. Andre examined one of the rabbits, apparently floating one of its lungs in water, Ooh. to check if it had breathed air. Okay. So I think there was some kind of misunderstanting about how, how lungs work. What were they expecting it to do? So if it didn't float, it was an indication that there was no air in the lungs and that the rabbit was already dead, I think, when it came out. I'm uh, not really sure what was the rationale behind this. Mm. Yeah. Medicine was very questionable <laughs> at the time. It is what you would call an emerging science. Yeah, like them rabbits. <laughs> um, then St. Andre examined Toft, whom he concluded had bred the rabbits in her fallopian tubes. <laughs> her fallopian tubes, which were roughly the size of uh, yeah. ice cream cones. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's true. Yeah, it's a breeding ground. <laughs> it's very... Where everything happens. <laughs> Completely. Uh, I, yeah. Mm. You know, some people still think that. Think what? 
that you can breed rabbits in your fallopian tube? No, not rabbits specifically. But like everything happens in the fallopian tubes. Really? Mm. They believe the baby is grown in the fallopian tubes? Some people think other things, which I'm not really sure I should say right now. (laughs) Oh, the whole can stick the tampon up the fallopian tube. Yeah, yeah, basically. (laughs) And other things. I really think, come on guys, in this day and age, it's the 21st century, please don't be that person who doesn't know where a tampon goes or how basic reproduction works. (laughs) Okay, Toft further birthed a rabbit's head, some rabbit skin, and what looked like the body part of a cat a bit later. Uh, Why are the cats in them? Yeah, I don't know why there's just like random other bits thrown in. Did she sleep with the rabbit and a cat? (laughs) Is her husband part cat rabbit? I will say for the fourth time, unclear. Okay, Although it does seem that her husband was a human man, because I think otherwise this case would be pretty open and shut. I don't know, man. It sounds like she had some sort of weird prying, like affairs with a human, human hybrid, which consisted of a cat, an eel, and a rabbit. I mean, it's possible. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Interestingly, the dead rabbits ranged in age from newborns to about three months old, so they weren't all like tiny baby rabbits. Some of them were pretty big. Mm. So before we get to the point at which this entire thing is pretty much cracked open and revealed as the hoax that it surely is, mm. um, I just want to talk a bit about how Mary Toft herself explained this bizarre event. So according to her, in April of that year, while she was busy milling the field or tilling the field or whatever you do with fields. <laughs> milling? <laughs> I don't think that's the right term. Look, I'm not a farmer, okay? I have no idea how to do those things. (laughs) I barely know how to weed. So she spotted a rabbit. And since rabbit meat was very expensive at the time, she thought, well, she will catch it and uh, make supper. Okay. However, the rabbit got away, and she soon developed an obsessive craving for rabbit meat. Which, I mean, I don't think is particularly unusual, considering she was pregnant. I mean, pregnant women get weird cravings all the time. Yeah, and then she just sort of made the association. Well, so what happened is that she... uh, based her theory on this actually, at the time, legitimate theory that if you associate with certain animals like dogs or apes uh, while you're pregnant, that could actually have a, quote, maternal impression on the baby. So it was, so basically what she's saying is, I was so obsessed with the idea of eating rabbit that somehow my pregnancy became rabbitified. Does it have to be? <laughs> does the obsession have to be like what? What? What kind of obsession does it have to be? Eating it or just like liking it? I think Constantly it's, thinking it's just about like if you are either associating a lot with that animal mm. or if that animal has somehow made it, an emotional impact on you. Because, for example, um, the elephant man, the so-called elephant man, Joseph Mar- Merrick. Yeah. Um, also explained his condition by saying that his mother was startled by an elephant while she was pregnant with him. Oh, okay. I'm just asking, because I really like wolves, so like, are my children going to be werewolves? Because <laughs> that would be funky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to say, it was a dangerous time to be like, I don't know, a snail lover. <laughs> <laughs> like, ugh, my son keeps snotting and leaving a trail on the, oh my god. <laughs> this explains so much. <laughs> Toft was examined by 10 doctors or more, sometimes all at once. And during November of that year, she became very ill. Oh so, yeah, having 10 doctors examined all at once. <laughs> and get ill too. I mean, one of them probably had influenza. Right? <laughs> that day. Social distancing, people. Right. Can we not have gatherings of 10 or more? <laughs> so Richard Manningham, a colleague of St. Andre's, uh, described Toft's illness. She had convulsions. This is a quote. Yeah. 
which I never before observed in her, with frequent contractions of her fingers, rolling of her eyes, and great riflings in her stomach and belly. During the fit, she would often make a whining noise and at intervals be more than ordinary faint. So it sounds to me that like she either had one very bad seizure or like a series of seizures. Yeah. At this time, Toph did not deliver any further rabbits, nor did she have any memory of the convulsions. So it's affecting her brain as well? Uh, yeah, but I think it is quite uh, normal for people who have had seizures not to recall the seizure afterwards. Oh, I see. Okay. So things came to a head when, <laughs> as you might expect, a porter at Toft's house was caught sneaking dead rabbits into the house. Okay. Right, so this is pretty much when things become a little bit suspect for mm. the doctors. Right. According to the porter, he was instructed by Mary Toft's sister-in-law, Margaret Toft, to, well, I don't know if it was Margaret Toft, but Margaret, okay. to find and obtain a very small rabbit. Mm. So, obviously, this made it pretty clear what was going on, and eventually... Uh, the doctors managed to elicit a confession from Mary. They, I mean, uh, she resisted initially, but they eventually actually threatened to um, perform surgery on her to check whether her reproductive organs were malformed in some way. Would they know, though? <laughs> Would they know? They were looking for rabbit-shaped ovaries. <laughs> they were like, aha, look at this. They were like, There's an Easter bunny birthmark <laughs> under her armpit. <laughs> I'm sorry, ma'am, your eggs are not decorated in the Easter style. <laughs> Clearly, you are lying. Yeah, maybe they were just expecting to find, like, a clutch of Easter eggs. <laughs> Where's the basket, ma'am? Where's the basket for the eggs? <laughs> because, as we all know, rabbits are born from eggs. <laughs> yes, and they're put in baskets. <laughs> and they're painted. Painted. In family-friendly colours. Exactly, and where are the children to find them, ma'am? <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, it's so late. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. So Mary confessed to having had an accomplice, her mother-in-law, insert the dead animal parts into her vagina. <laughs> and just, you Why? know, just so you know, you know, in case that's not horrible enough, these rabbits still had their claws on. <sighs> so it was painful to the extreme. Like anyone who owns a vagina knows that it is not easy <laughs> to get anything larger so, than, you know, a tampon. Like how far or up? A male appendage okay. up there. <laughs> also, how far up did they shove that? I mean, you know... To fit nine. Yeah. To fit nine and throw it for her husband not to know. Just anything oh, weird. I'm not on. sure if it was a case of, you know, she birthed one, everyone went out of the room, they put in the second one, and then she birthed oh, the second one. So. Yeah, I don't think that it would have all been fit in her body at once. But also, like, why didn't you just stop at one? Yeah, well, she had to sell it. I mean, I guess... Rabbit. Oh, because well, birth of one rabbit isn't weird enough. <laughs> well, I guess mother rabbits don't generally birth only one rabbit at a time. She's not a rabbit, but yeah, I guess you were saying. <laughs> so, yeah, Mary would carry either the, the animal pots or the baby rabbits inside her for weeks, which John Howard, uh, remember, talked about the obstetrician in yeah. the beginning, mm -hmm. uh, attested was particularly extraordinary since it was highly likely that she could have died of bacterial infection. Right. Which... Um, explains the seizures as well. So mm -hmm. she probably was suffering toxic shock. Yeah. The media went to town on the doctors and other men involved in this case, particularly St. Andre, because I gather that before this entire case, he was considered quite a renowned physician, an esteemed <laughs> physician. Yeah. And <laughs> get this right, like just three days before Mary Toft's confession, he had published a paper 
uh, talking about the extraordinary case of this rabbit bearing woman and like expanding on this theories of why it what happened and what's the like biological basis for it (laughs) and then she goes and confesses three days later and he's like and I oop. <laughs> and he's been chucked out of the doctoral society. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, essentially his career um, and reputation were ruined. And yeah. even the entire medical profession as a whole was tarnished because there were 10 doctors that could not figure this out. Yeah, I find that very weird. I mean, let's keep in mind that at this time also, there were a lot of procedures and practices which we would consider normal today in the medical field that were completely taboo. Like, you couldn't necessarily do a thorough examination Mm -hmm. of a a woman's genitals. Yeah, true. Things like that. Or like, you know, I was saying this whole idea of the men leaving while the midwife births the second rabbit. Yeah, true. You know, maybe the doctor wasn't even allowed to be present. I'm like, what's your job then? What are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, so... You can kind of see why they didn't catch on. Although, yeah, clearly they'd seen fallopian tubes before if they knew what they were, so still not sure how they thought the rabbits grew there. <laughs> According to the parisreview.org, the most famous takedown came from William Hogarth, who published a cartoon that was a spoof on the adoration of the Magi. You know the like very typical nativity scene yeah. where there's Mary, she's got baby Jesus, and the three wise, men. The three wise yeah. men are there. But in this case, in this uh, cartoon... Toft was the Virgin Mary, and the wise men were um, played by St. Andre and his colleagues. <laughs> Quote, it pouts, it swells, it spreads, it comes, one of them exclaims as his arm disappears up Toft's skirt. Quote, searching into the depths of things. So, yeah, pretty bawdy, as mm. the case would be, but I mean, clearly uh, ridiculing. I, w- I would say both Mary Toft and, yeah, and the, the doctors. doctors yeah. Although, interestingly, there was kind of a change of heart in the way that Mary Toft was depicted in the media. Mm -hmm. Initially, again, because they had uh, basically profiled her um, due to her status as a peasant, Mm -hmm. as illiterate and unintelligent. So first, she was kind of the innocent victim of um, her mother-in-law and other people seeking to profit off the huge scandal. Well, not scandal, but the sort of... So debacle, yeah. Yeah, it, it was a spectacle, you know. Yeah, yeah. So that was the initial thing, but then later on, uh, Mary played more of a kind of uh, active role in mm. the plotting. So it, you know, it's interesting. It was also kind of a commentary on class and and the way mm. that um, society worked at that time. And I mean, also the way the media works sometimes, because to keep a story alive and interesting, yeah, you sometimes have to take different angles. So like once. They got a bit. People got a bit bored about the innocent view of Mary. Yeah. You know, it just takes one person to suggest, "Oh, but what if she was actually?" Yeah, and but then I suddenly think the interest is renewed. Yeah, I think though that the idea of Mary as an innocent victim still kind of worn out because mm-hmm. she actually was pretty much left alone after the scandal died down, and she, you know, we don't actually know what happened to her like, in the rest of her life. We only know that she died some years later, like in seventeen sixty-three. Oh, okay. But we do know what happened to St. Andre and everything mm-hmm. like that. So definitely all the attention was on all these men that royally fucked up and not noticing that this woman was shopping dead rabbits you yeah. know, where <laughs> they shouldn't be. <laughs> Poor rabbits. <laughs> yeah. I'm I mean, just glad they were dead. Please spare a thought for the rabbits in this mm. case because that's that's the true Ish. horror. Um. So I just wanted to end off with this uh, excerpt from a ballad anonymously at the time, published by Alexander Pope and William Pulteney. It's called The Discovery or 
the squire turned ferret. Mm. Most true it is, I dare to say, ever since the days of Eve, the weakest woman sometimes may the wisest man deceive. <laughs> so, yeah, obviously sexist, chauvinist and mm. whatnot, but clearly also uh, making fun of, of the so-called physicians and doctors yeah. and learned men of the time. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, there's something almost gleeful in the idea that people of supposedly low classes could actually have tricked all these uh, yeah, high-class gentlemen for so long. Who, someone who so many people consider to be, you know, stupid and, and as you say, yeah, low-class. <laughs> they actually came up with quite a thing. <laughs> yeah. So that is the story of Mary Toft, Khaleesi, mother of rabbits. <laughs> No, no. Ruler of the seven cabbage patches. <laughs> <laughs> I can't and then the Easter eggs are dragon eggs, right? <laughs> yeah. Like once the flames die down, you just see her clutching, clutching these little bunnies. <laughs> like adorable pink nosed bunnies. Oh my God, so She's cute. like Dracarus. <laughs> and then it's just like this army of rabbits with giant teeth like chuck 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 chuck. Okay, actually that's terrifying. We're going to eat your carrots. It's like where um, rabbit, um, what's that movie called? Walls and Gromit. Oh, a seminal rabbit. foam, mm-hmm. can I just say? And Gromit, Gromit was the... Yeah, Wallace and Gromit. No, um, Gromit was a were-rabbit, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> if you guys haven't checked out Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit, it's actually really worth it. It's such an old movie, but I also feel like nobody saw it at the time that we saw it. Yeah, I think it was severely underrated. And also, I really like the animation style. It was like clay animation or yeah, something like that. I think it was pretty clever, really. Was it stop motion? Or, yeah, it was like stop motion, stop motion with clay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. really um, imaginative Yeah, at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that is our Mother's Day episode. Some uh, weird... <laughs> some weird mothers, some good, well, pretty good mothers like Demeter. Yeah, she tried. Some asshole motherfuckers. Um, unfortunate <laughs> events. A lot of agriculture. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this has also been a gardening episode. It's like um, Anna Karenina. <laughs> Just four hours of farming. Oh, have you read uh, Anna Karenina? Mm-hmm, but you tell me all about it. There's one <laughs> chapter that is just entirely devoted to him watching people farm and being like, why can't I have such a simple life? <laughs> I'm like, dude, just pick up a pitchfork, shut your mouth and go farm. Like, <laughs> nobody cares about your long rambling. <laughs> I mean, I finished that entire, like, 1,000-page dictionary of a novel, and yeah. it's very good. I would definitely recommend it, but holy crap. But you skipped the farming class, didn't you? I might have slightly <laughs> cheated with a bit of it. It's okay, understandable. Well, um, once again, happy Mother's Day yeah. to all the mothers out all there. All you mothers. <laughs> we hope that you had a fantastic day. We hope you were spoiled rotten, but not actually rotting from the inside. Okay. <laughs> and uh, until next time, stay safe, stay sexy, and stay legendary. Bye.